Hi, this is Lacey. This is Jason. From Bourbon House, and you are listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast. are listening to the free form rock podcast is everybody in is everybody in is everybody in the ceremony is about to begin Thank you, but I've already eaten. I'm Jeff Godzer, 94.7 KMET, and Jim Ladd is standing by backstage along with Black Sabbath. Hello, Jim. How you doing, doing, Jeff? Oh, I am sensational. You know, I remember this kind of a deja vu feeling because you and I did this with Black Sabbath many years ago at a different place at uh, the Cal Jam Number 1. Yes, we did, and it was uh, that was exciting then. Of course, it was nice of you to bring that up since I have the new lead singer here with me now, Jeff. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I can only hear you. I see. Uh, we're sitting here with uh, Ronnie James Dio. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How Great. did you think this thing went today for you? I, th I think the, the turnout, the response is just absolutely incredible. Uh, I know that a few years ago, or a year ago, whatever it may be, it wasn't quite this good. Uh -huh. I think quite quite this good is uh, really an understatement. I think it's brilliant. People are uh, incredible that they can stay this long in this kind of heat and enjoy as they have. I think it's great. Yeah, because there's upwards of 75,000 people, and walking around out there, it is just as calm. It's just like a gathering of friends yeah, today. It's well, this is L.A., you know. Yeah, yeah. Do you like playing here? Yes, I do. I love it. I love it. This is the largest, supposedly, of course, the promoters, they'll tell you anything, you know what Yeah, I'm they will, too. Uh, but uh, they say this is the largest outdoor gig of the year, in, I mean, in the country. I'm sure it will be because of the, you know, the economic situation is a bit, a bit doubtful at the moment, and I'm sure it's going to be one of the biggest of this year. But it happened to be a great package with a lot of great acts on yeah. it, and uh, people wanted to, to see those you know, to see all of us perform, it's great. Beside uh, you guys, who are you looking forward to see uh, play today? Well, I doubt very much if we'll be here for the rest of it. Uh, we have to go to Oakland tomorrow. And we're sure, doing Ronnie. Day on the Green tomorrow. Plug, get that? <laughs> so we'll be gone, I'm sure. But uh, I'd really like to see Journey. I've seen Cheap, Cheap Trick a lot of times. I, you know, I was talking to Jack uh, Snyder here earlier, and he said that if you guys couldn't stick around, that KMT was going to fly... Uh, uh, all of you uh, and the crew uh, up later on tonight, so you can take a later plane at our expense, just so you can stick around and see. Right? Yeah, I've, yeah, I've heard nice. that. I've heard that. Yeah. Okay, good. Could we just have the money instead? No. Well, we'll do that, but you provide the drugs. Okay. What you said that you had um, some uh, <laughs> some small um, problems today. What was that? We had a, we had a few problems. I think uh, every act that's going to be here is going to have a problem in that they're not uh, using. PA systems or monitor systems that, that they've used throughout the year or throughout their, their tours. Uh, it's just an unforeseeable thing. We're, we're fortunate, we're all fortunate, all the bands that we can play in front of 75,000 people in L.A. at a great gig like this, and who cares about what goes wrong? We hope that the people understand that, that there are problems. Uh, again, it was just great. Don't, we don't care about the problems at all. Oh, good attitude, man, good attitude. Now, obviously, the crowd, I mean, we, you know, without stroke, the crowd just went nuts. I mean, they obviously had a great time and, and it sounds good out there. So There were some good Sab fans there, yeah. Alright. Well, we'll let you catch your plane to Oakland. Cheers. Okay, so Thanks, the program. Thank you, Ronnie, very much. Jeffrey? Yes, James. Uh, we're going back to you now. Back to me now. Yes. How about back to you, Jim? Back to me. No, I've, there's a, a lady walking by here very quickly. Alright, well then back to me, Jeff. Okay, Jeff. Alright. Sabbath created heavy metal music. Purple were much more of a musical entity. 
they were much more trained and from John Lord to Richie Blackmore were really all of them, you know, Roger Glover, a lot, all of the left, they were just great players uh, who learned from other great musicians. Uh, Zeppelin, those guys were a little bit between, I'd say, between Sabbath and Purple in that they had musical expertise but were trying new things. Sabbath were a band that played and flew by the seat of their pants. Tony had his fingers chopped off early on, which made it necessary for him to tune the guitar down a half a step so the strings weren't quite as tight, so it would be a little bit easier for him, which created this other tone that was there. And the, and the way Tony plays and Tony's riffs are, to me, the most instrumental things that there ever could be for heavy metal music. So it's always it was always Sabbath first. They, they Tony and Geezer and, and Ozzy and Bill Ward created heavy metal music as well. All right, you know where you're at. You just heard the promo. Come on, man. This is the Freeform Fucking Rock Podcast, man. We are America's Podcast, man. We Let's throw it to my fucking great brother there, Jerry Suit, man. What's up, brother? Oh, man, what's going on, man? I am doing fucking great, dude. Having a great couple of days, man. Um, can't complain, man. Life is good. Yeah, man, who do we have on the show tonight, man? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I can complain. Because I normally play the star. You're on supposed to show. go last. I, yeah, but I'm going to break protocol for a minute here. All right? Just deal with it. Don't chuckle. I mean, I am the superstar. <laughs> I brought this show up. Sorry, Jerry, maybe But today, and today only, I'm gonna I'm going to put my star hat aside. We have, in my opinion, the number one expert on the band that we're talking about today. Good buddy of mine. Keel Fest Survivor, <laughs> Metal Mike Tyler. Well, well damn, man, after an intro like that, I don't know what to say. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Just thank, thank you, sir. may have another. Mike was on my very first Freeform show with Metal Church, and that was a great fucking episode. Oh, it was a great episode. That got me into Metal Church. That band rules. I know, and I got stuck with Bushy. <laughs> Poor I, I mean, you know what the fuck is wrong with that? I mean, but today uh, I'm at the child's table. We are talking about Black Sabbath, and I can't think of one person. And I'm even talking about Martin Popoff, <laughs> yeah, whatever, that is an expert on this band, the Metal Mike Tyler, and I am willing and so into. Sitting at that learning tree today, so welcome to the show, Mike. Well, thank you, man. And I mean, Martin Pop Popoff, man, that guy's the man. Even though I don't always agree with his opinions, his exactly. his his, but you got to give it up to him. His research, and I mean, he's yeah, he's. I the had a Ian Wadley joke when he said pop off, but I don't want to pop off. But go ahead, Mike. <laughs> right on. Um, but yeah, I, I Black Sabbath, my all-time favorite band, um, and has been since I was a little guy. Uh, as you all know, got introduced to Kiss at a very young age. Kiss. Very young age. Um, I was five was years it? old. Um, fucking uh, Kiss Alive had only been out for a few months. I believe it came out in September of 75, if I know my history. 
and my brother bought it in like the spring of 76 changed my life and right, me right. and all of us were uh, obsessed right. with kiss and we I drove no mark, mark is not obsessed with kiss and, no, and no, no, I, I was just gonna say you guys were groomed at an early age there you go yes yes <laughs> oh no no, no. i want to ask my i want to ask metal mike something yeah sure hit me up man if somebody on this planet would say that an album like say <laughs> crazy nights is as good as lick it up or creatures oh, you, opinions serious well, um, I would I want I would want to know what they were smoking. A lot of weed. A lot of weed. A bye. <laughs> um, I mean, look, uh -uh. man, it's not. I I listened to that episode, by the way, and I was like, oh, good lord. Uh, but look, oh, everybody's entitled to their listening. opinions and their taste. You're welcome. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't have anything to say other than I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I I. But that's my opinion. You know, it's like it's it's not. I mean, there are some people. Chris Senzak, Bushy, oh, Mark, love that record. Love that fucking record, they man. can't be man. helped. My world is an abortion of God. Well, we, oh, I, I know fucking we, hate we, that record. We we agree on that one, and Lee did it. So, there you go. Hey, Kitty Kitty is not much better. And uh, I'm just saying, as a loyal Kiss fan, and I know Mike is too, we all have different degrees of our KISS fandom. Sure. Um, I don't accept the scabs. Neither not, do I. Oh, not. come on, man. Monster's a great freaking album, dude. Oh, it, it's not. It is It not. really is, dude. You I love what? that album. J Jerry, you could monster this. <laughs> you said you liked it, too, so shut the hell up. I like well, one song. I'm saying everybody... <laughs> I, the great... I don't know if you've met him, Mike, or if you know him, but the, the great Chris Elio... Yeah, I know he, Chris. Yeah, he share, he's uh, done some BSs. And, um, I, yeah, he, has a show, he has a show on Little Station, right? Here's a good point, right? Like the whole Asylum. Well, I'm sorry if he did. I, I, I don't have. I don't listen to it all well, the he's time. He's also been on Freeform at like about three or four times, too. He has? Yeah, I he, know he, he did the Warrant Doggy Dog episode. He did oh, Rush uh, Clockwork Angels also. So Before the show ruled. That's right. Uh, but uh, I love you, Chris. But anyway, he, he I put up Asylum versus Animal Eyes. I think Asylum is way better. I agree. And he didn't agree, and I said, we talked a little bit, and then we just came to a nice agreement that, okay, that's cool. And I wish more KISS fans could see eye to eye. Do you agree, Metal Mike? Oh, sure. But Let's that's never... We can't for some reason, though. I don't understand. It's dismaying. You, you, you guys are you guys are the original Swifties. <laughs> oh, we're, we're Kisties. We're Kisties. Yeah, shut up. You don't. You think Crazy Nights is good as Creatures? Hey, I like Bon Jovi, so don't take my opinion as law. And that's yeah. why I hate that album. It's <laughs> exactly. Kiss Jovi. It's not it fucking Kiss. Yes. You it's know Kiss I like Bon Jovi, bon Jovi so why wouldn't I like that? I like most of fucking Hot in the Shade. I think it should have been a nine-song album, though. But uh, it has a few. Hot in the Shade has a few good songs on it. It's yeah. not totally an abortion like Crazy Nights is. But oh, it's better. I like Crazy Nights way better. Uh, well, I think that's one reason why um, Revenge gets the worship it does is because Kiss put out so many crappy exactly. albums before it 
that Let people fucking jizzed on it. Now, exactly. I'm not sitting on it. It's not a horrible record, but I've always felt Revenge was somewhat overrated. It's pretty exactly. Close. It's pretty close. And Mark's going to say the old heads will say this, but that's because we know Kiss. Well, Unholy. You, guys, you guys are like Kiss, Unholy like Kiss is fans from forever. So, yeah, Unholy. you guys are old heads, and you guys uh, don't. I got into them later than you guys, so that's why I probably like a lot of stuff. But you like the Elder Charles and Unmasked, so I don't know about you there. So, well, well I mean, goes away crazy nights. I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean for any of us to get in the Kiss Vortex. <laughs> <laughs> you know, happens though on every podcast, the radio show. But, we, but you know, what, Kiss what brings I, ratings though. <laughs> so that's true that's true uh, no they the do. one thing I, I will say uh about all of it though is mark has an interesting point because edwin canastracci he came in to kiss late and i watched his videos of him talking about it and there were some things that i'm like i don't really see it that way but i understand from a point of view of okay let's say i never heard this band before and i i kind of take a deep dive and i like them you're not good, and, and and again, we always talk about it all the time, man. Everybody says it. Timeline is everything. Exactly, and goddamn it, Mike, I've explained it to Mark a million times. <laughs> Crazy night, we got. I got it at the library. It was like the first vinyl I ever really got from Kiss. We had a live two in the house. I only listened to Tomorrow and Tonight for some reason. This was eight track, and I was stupid and didn't know how to work the eight track. I was just a little kid. Right, and, understandable. But Unmasked was the one that brought me to the table because Ace Fraley sang three songs on the record. Right, I, and look, I, I get that. You know, it's it's no different than when somebody loves the Black Album and they tell me, "Well, Metal Mike, that was my introduction to Metallica." And then I went back and listened to all it. Same with Load or Reload. But but it, Mike, you know, my image of Kill Kiss them all was Kill them all was my introduction. And that was really? a black album. Yes. My friend Scott Travato from In and Out Burger got me into Kill 'em All and I go, This band fucking rules and he let me I use know it. that. I uh, knew you liked Metallica before the black album. And and some fans do. Not everybody who was there from like quote unquote the very beginning hates on the black the album. Mark. Heads. Yeah. And I'm gonna be honest. Your brother oh, I'm, your oh, brother. I've, been, I've said <laughs> this before. I grew up in a country town. We didn't have underground radio. Nobody knew who the fuck Metallica was. But you know when I found out about them, the one video. Right. And it was a it was a life changing event. And then therefore the Black Album was more palatable to me because I wasn't there from the beginning. And then yeah, load, you understand, load, understand. Yeah, and then load wasn't a complete abortion to me. A little boring. But uh, it was okay. Reload, uh, we'll get into that later down the road. <laughs> but, uh, but that's what I'm saying. It's all about timestamps and where you come from and where, what kind of environment you live in. I mean, I escaped an Amish terrorist camp, and uh, we didn't have electricity. I'm so just, it was oh, damn. I'm just going to say my friend Scott got me, like, I think it was when Justice just came out. I saw the video. I wasn't into. I, I'm going to admit it. I wasn't into one. But when he played me, fucking, I heard that drum fucking thing for Hit the Lights that came in first. I was like, 
God dang, this drummer rules. And, and what the like, fuck is Lars get a lot of fucking shit, dude? That's oh, the reason I, mean, I, I got should, into Metallica was that drum fucking intro to hit the lights. I agree with you because I guarantee you the majority of the people slamming on Lars can't even walk and chew bubblegum at the same time. I mean, to be honest, is he fucking your boy Neil Peart? Peart. Peart. Is, is he John Bonham? No. Is he Gar Samuelson? No. Is he interesting that we're talking about drummers because I'm going to. Exactly. Yeah. got one on Dress this. that. Yes. But is is he uh, my favorite from that band called Slayer that you seem to hate for some reason? I love listen. Dave Lombardo. I love Dave Lombardo. But Lars Dave Lombardo and Suicidal Tendencies and other bands he's been in like Testament fucking rule. Lars Ulrich is better than your favorite drummer secretly, Ricky Rocket. Oh God. I I, that's where I say bullshit, Charles. There's nobody better than Ricky Rocket, man. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, like nobody's better than Bobby Doll. Yeah, I stole what him about from another podcast. Tico Torres? I owe you a T dollar. Tico Torres on them Bon Jovi. Hey, Tico Torres rules, man. Whatever. <laughs> Why are you uh, giving Tico Torres shit? You know... Somebody's you know, some, some right, the show the show's going this show's going south. That's, I here. think one band <laughs> said Bon Jovi right? treated them so great as an opening act. Uh, like what? Band. I forgot what band? what band it was. I posted it earlier I, on the It wasn't Steve Riley's LA Guns, the real version. No, of no, no, save no, that no, for no, the no, video no. if you're doing it. No, no, no. Fuck that shit. So, let's get into what we're doing. Let's get into what we're doing, man. But yeah. fuck, uh we we're doing Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell, and this is my pick. And I had to bring Metal Mike Tyler in this episode because he is a super Black Sabbath fan. So I gotta give it to Metal Mike. Tell us about this album. Tell us why it happened. Tell us why Ozzy was kicked out. Tell us everything, man. We'll sit here and we will learn <laughs> well, at the table of the great Metal Mark, Mike Tyler. Mark wants to know the. The micro, and I want to know the macro. So I'm going to know everything. Everything. Okay, well, I, I, he's a long-worded motherfucker, so he'll teach us. There you go. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, it, well, as you pointed out, Sabbath is my all-time favorite band. I got introduced to him because my neighbor across the street, my musical, one of my musical mentors, he was 10 years older than me, 7 years older than my big brother. So he really was like a big brother to us. And he actually liked Kiss, but he was like, guys, there's other fucking bands. And one of the bands he introduced me to was Black Sabbath. He had a portable, believe it or not, they used to make portable 8-track players. And he goes, so you guys think Kiss is the baddest band around, huh? And we're all like, yeah, because we're, yeah, you know, we're little. And he threw in, he, he literally pops in the 8-track of Paranoid. And I hear War Pigs for the first first time oh. and it blew my mind okay i was like wow what is this you know and and then you know uh uh he would make me copies of the albums he even literally gave me he had two he had just bought a replacement of M master of reality and he gave him his his old uh um Master of Reality record, which is probably why to this day Master of Reality, for sentimental reasons, and for a long time it was hands down my favorite, it's still my favorite, but it's really hard for me, because after hearing albums like Sabotage and, 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 and I mean I'm, I'm, I'm number one, I'm going to say something right now that may be controversial to some people, but I don't care, it's my opinion and I, I feel I'm right and it's no disrespect 
but there's only one Black Sabbath, and it's the four original members. That is, to me, Black Sabbath, okay? Now, this band, when Ronnie joined, became a t completely different band, especially once Bill Ward left, okay? Not that I'm saying it's bad. It's not. I love Heaven and Hell. And when they got back together, they called themselves Hoven and Hell. And I was like, yeah, because by that point in time, they'd had a long enough catalog where they didn't have to sing the Ozzy era songs, man. And I love this record, okay? So let's not get it twisted. I love – it's part of the Black Sabbath family tree, and I love Black Sabbath, man. And that's why I was telling you Char earlier, Charles, I really need to take a deeper dive in the Tony Martin stuff because to me, I kind of consider a lot of that stuff Iomi Solo, but – with that being said, I'm sure it's fucking awesome because when Iomi finally did do a solo album and he had different singers, kind of like what Carlos Santana did, I love yeah. that record. And I love the album he did called Fused with Glenn Hughes. That's fucking bad. Fuck yeah. So, you know, hey, make no mistake, I absolutely love this record. Um, I remember, as far as why Ozzy got kicked out, mainly the main reason why is they were all fucked up. They were all fucked up. But Ozzy was really really unhappy his dad had died he was just off the bend he wasn't really happy with the directions he he's not the biggest fan of technical ecstasy and never say die he was dissatisfied and then when van halen went on the road with him for the never say die tour he was just totally blown away and part of him was like the thing about ozzy that people don't know is he had planned on doing blizzard of Oz, but he wanted to stay in the band he didn't want to leave Black Sabbath to go so wanted to do both. Iomi was like, no, absolutely not. Anything you write, Ozzy, will stay within the band. I mean, Iomi was kind of a control freak, okay? You know, and I love Tony. I'm not putting him down. I'm just saying that's the way it is by all accounts. I mean, he's the guy that produced all the albums after, I think, uh, maybe Volume 4 is when he started production and getting involved with it. And... Um, I think he was, there's no question he was the band leader. Now, that doesn't mean that Ozzy and Geezer and all them guys didn't make their contributions because they totally did. But I definitely think Iomi, well, I mean, Ozzy said it. And his, there's an excellent, excellent home video called Don't Blame Me where he talks about it. He talks about leaving Ozzy or Sabbath. And he was even like in that, you know, where he goes, he was the big daddy, you know. <laughs> like he was the boss kind of. And um, Ozzy, he he just got really unhappy, I think, and just, you know, they were all fucked up on drugs. But Ozzy was just on a whole other level where they couldn't even work together, man. Ozzy wasn't showing up for rehearsals. Ozzy wasn't. And I guess it just got to a breaking point. And ironically enough, there was a lady who was in the business who was the son of or the daughter of a famous manager. A little lady by the name of Sharon Arden introduced Tony Iommi to Ronnie James Dio. Oh, folks. Oh, Believe shit. it or not, the future Mrs. Yeah. Osborne introduced Ronnie to Tony. And they met yeah. and hit it off. And then they met at the Rainbow. And then after that, they went to Iommi's uh, uh, Los Angeles home. And that's where they started writing. Like, Children of the Sea, Believe It or Not, was a song that Tony had started. And apparently, according to Tony's autobiography... There is a version of that song with Ozzy on vocals. He says it's totally different. The lyrics are different, um, which, you know, it's very understandable because that's the way the Ozzy writes. He usually comes up with his lyrics at the top of his head's head, and the ones he likes or the ones the band like, they keep. And the ones they didn't, Tony or Geezer would, you know, insert other lyrics 
and Ozzy would just say no's, you know. Um, but um, yeah, they 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 had gotten back together, and I believe it, uh, the first album they had ever or song they ever did was "Children of the Sea." Uh, but yeah, they were released. They were introduced in '79 by Sheridan Arden. Uh, and they actually discussed uh, forming a new band rather than a continuation of Sabbath. Record companies and your promoters and your managers and all everybody shot that down because by this point, Sabbath's been around for almost 10 years to the public conscious anyway. You're a fucking brand. They're not going to let you change your name if they can keep from it. Now, yeah, Mike. That's the way I, it is. I, I, I mean, I got to say first off, I've admitted it to many, many people around the world. First of all, Black Sabbath invented heavy metal. Oh, of course. Opinion. Okay. That's fucking, that's just, that's not even fucking opinion. That's a uh, science, okay? Somebody told now, me that Black Sabbath was a metal band, but keep Well, going, they're Charles. fucking stupid. Yeah. All right. I don't mean to be a dick, but that's yeah, that. I know who you're talking about. And I was like, uh, you're wrong, dude. They created the blueprints for heavy metal. Yeah. Without Black Sabbath, there is nothing else after that. Sorry, Charles. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I had to put nope. that point out there. Keep going, I Charles. I don't care what that guy says. But in the, in my wheelhouse, though, Priest perfected metal. Now, that's not a slight at Black Sabbath. I would concur with that. I've always said Black Sa if Black Sabbath is one, Priest is 1A. Right. Okay. I'm not. That's not a slight because... No. Other people not. invented rock and roll, and then Elvis became the king, or, or whoever you would think. You know, there's other people that come and take it. There's some people that would believe Mark's Precious Metallica perfected metal. I mean, there are different points of view. No, they're the sure. started thrash. That, but I think Black along Sabbath, with Exodus, yeah, yeah, Black Sabbath invented the fucking genre. Period. Oh, they are the no question. And that's and so that's not taking away when I say drama of the belief Judas Priest perfected that art. But well, here's my take on it, Charles. And I, I agree with you because to me, as as heavy as Sabbath is, especially the first couple of records, it's still very steeped in the blues. Yeah. Now I do think as time went on, Sabbath got heavier. I mean. By the time Master of Reality and Volume 4 rolls around, I don't hear much blues in that. It's fucking heavy. But it's different. It's like, not only did Sabbath start metal, but they kind of started what later became doom metal. Right. You know what I mean? Priest took what Sabbath was doing and swept the blues out of it completely. Also, they had a twin guitar attack. So they took that yeah. Rock and Rock and was kind it. of like uh, bluesy. Right. It was, yeah. but you know, look, we'll discuss Priest at another time because it's yeah. interesting. I, oh, so, I um, somebody, you know, we I just they recently done a um, uh, review on on what has become over the years my favorite stained Priest album. And that's stained was a great class. episode by them, by the way. Yeah, and yes, it was, and um, it was yes, stained, you know. But okay, I had but talked to somebody. I had, totally. I had. I had talked to somebody on – they have a, a Facebook group page, and they posted a picture of that. What are your thoughts on this album? I said, over the years, it's become my favorite I, and for several reasons. Now, I love this, the albums before, especially um, uh, Sad Wings of Destiny. That was my cousin Mitchell, my other musical mentor. He gave me a copy of that record when I was a kid, and I just remember looking at the cover and going, whoa, right? You know? And I still love that record, but to me, Priest became Priest with Stained Class. That's where you get the introduction of the classic 
Priest logo. That's where you get. That's where they started wearing more leather, and they found their their own identity and they and their own niche, and they became the priests that we know basically today. Quite frankly, in my opinion, it all started with stained class. That's I, when they perfected it. I agree, but is British Steel just a complete piece of shit? Not at all. No. You're missing the point. That album gave birth to the eighties. United yeah, it, United kind of sucked, but yeah. Well, um, that song rules. What are you talking about? We, we haven't done a review of that. We just gave away spoilers. Fuck. Okay. Don't like United. We stand. That's fucking the metal. It's like no. I'm not. I'm not. You know. Not? I don't, don't. Again, don't get it twisted. I I yeah. love. I mean, I love, dude. But to me, staying class kind of. It they did. gave birth to that version of priests. The, the priests we know and love today started with Stained Class, and over the years, it's become my favorite, personal favorite That's album. Different. Before that, it was probably a toss-up between, as much as I love British Steel, dude, do not get me wrong. That album is, oh. much like the one we're covering today, is if you wanted to use Exhibit A, Exhibit B, why 1980 is the greatest fucking year in hard rock and traditional, you know, oh, yeah, British hard rock and heavy metal. I mean, come on, dude. I mean, I could be wrong. It's my favorite. I might be wrong. But I, no, no, you're not mine wrong. Is, dude. Mine is no screaming is for wrong. vengeance. Or mine's British Steel. what's the one with heading on the highway? We did a review of that with Bushy. Point of entry. And and you, you were on that point episode of, too. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, point of entry is my like. It's tied. Screaming for vengeance. I'm point of entry. I like, I, I'm goofy because I like painkiller. But I the love painkiller. Pain killer. Painkiller rules, dude. We Stop have a review it. of Painkiller too. Also. I know. I listened to it. Yeah. My yeah. main, my main question was for this album, and we'll touch on it in my review of these songs. But I'm going to ask Mike because you're you are guru today. I do like Zeppelin better than Sabbath. I'm sorry. That's fine. But, fine. You're allowed, but, man. What? How did? Deep Sabbath fans take this record when it came out. Okay, at first, um, there was some, in fact, in Tony's book, he talked about it, that there was a bit of, um, uh, you know, resistance to it. You know, it was very... Um, right. I, I mean, you it's, know, kind of point of, it's kind of a leading question. It does sound a bit different from what is prototypical Sabbath. Very Am much I? so. Very much Tony so. Tony Iommi um, was still Tony Iommi. Was yes, it? but hear me out. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. First of all, you have to have. Um, I mean, right here, man. You know, in my opinion, when Dio came on board, he irrevocably retrievably altered the band that's what i mean to me this is not black sabbath now it doesn't mean i don't love it doesn't mean i think it sucks okay you know because back in the day i would get into arguments man because i had a nickname for this band you want to know what it was what black rainbow Ooh. because yeah. i loved rainbow and i love black sabbath. actually i think that'd be a cool name for a band personally but that's rainbow. me Fuck yeah. black, 
But to me, I was like, they go, well, what about, I'm like, well, I like, I like Black Rainbow. Fuck, you know, you're some of your purists. It's like, well, it's Iomi. He, you know, he, he, he is Black Sabbath. Blah, blah, fucking blah. Look, man, I love Tony Iomi. He is the master of metal riffs, okay? No doubt about it. And the thing that's great about Tony Iommi, as my host of the Metal Mike show, always says, Bill Doe for Real Doe, a.k.a. Bill Roseberry. You know what? Sabbath- I, I, can, can I say something with you, to you? Mm-hmm. I like how you promote because that's what I do. <laughs> I love it. You're welcome. Me and you I, are the same on Bill. promoting our shit. Bill Roseberry, I know you're listening, and I'm sorry I didn't do that BS with you. And I'm sorry that you walked away when I talked about the history of Oasis. But go ahead. <laughs> well, we, you know, he will be on another BS episode with you, Charles. We need to get oh, him on again. Geez. Let me know which oh, one. Oh, fuck. That's funny. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So basically. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Where was I? I? Was talking about a. Oh yeah, the reaction yeah, to yeah, this yeah, album yeah. and how people felt about it at the time. Um, and it's like I was going to say, Tony. Yeah, Bill. Bill said that Tony Iommi is like a great coach or a great boxing or MMA trainer. Trainer is in he coaches to their player or fighter's strengths and weaknesses, and that is what Iommi does. He writes. To his seniors' strengths and weaknesses, he 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 structures the songs around them, and that is why the original Sabbath is so fucking awesome. That is why Heaven and Hell is so fucking awesome. And yes, I know Chris Sinzak, you hate it. I love you, dude, but he hates Heaven and like, Hell. Oh no, he hates Born Again. I oh oh, I love that album, man. We need to review Born that Again. shit. Yeah, love Born Again, and much like this, believe it or not, they wanted to call the band Born Again, but Don Arden and everybody went, and didn't let them. That's a whole other, you know, thing. But the reaction was kind of like, whoa, they're getting the guy from Rainbow to to scene for Sabbath? What, you know, and you gotta remember, we didn't have the internet back then, so you didn't, you didn't have, We I didn't know what was going on, really, you know, until the record came out. Right, and then the KC95, our local rock station, played the song Heaven and Hell, which I'll get into that when we actually do the, the cover of the album proper. But mainly people's – um, it's it's just like what Tony says in his book, and I'm going to read what he said. Although Dio um, – wait, no, no, no. Okay, yeah. In his autobiography, Iomi admits, we were doing big shows, and it was difficult for Ronnie to go out and stand in front of people who'd seen Ozzy in that spot for the past 10 years. Some of the kids hated it, and they'd shout, Ozzy, Ozzy, and flip Ronnie off. But eventually, Ronnie won them over, and that's the truth. You know, there was a lot of people that were kind of resistant to it. You know, At the same time, though, there is no doubt that as much as I love Never Say Die in Technical Ecstasy, Ronnie gave the band a shot in the arm. You, you can't deny that. You know, I think it had gotten stagnant. I think that the guys had gotten... The, you, people have to understand something about Black Sabbath. They were getting ripped off by their manager, Patrick Meehan, for fucking shitloads of dough. So Sabbath, what they tried to do, they tried to pull a Beatles with the fucking whole Apple. Yeah. They tried to manage themselves. And as Ozzy said in an interview I have. You just gave Charles hard on saying the Beatles, but go yeah, for it. Uh, oh, I love the Beatles, so Me not too. a problem. Yeah. Um, I got a chance Ozzie, too. So there you go. Ozzy said, yeah, we, so much. We, couldn't, we couldn't manage ourselves out of a paper bag, to be quite honest. I'm not putting the guys in Sabbath down because it's only now that I realize the effect we had on rock <laughs> music like today. I didn't like how Paul treated Ozzy, though, in that one little 
there's a video. He kind of was like treated Ozzy like shit, to be honest mm. with. Whatever. What what video? Well, what are you talking that. about? Is that when Ozzy met him? Put on Freeform tonight when we're done. Yeah, he was kind of like dismissive of Ozzy. Yeah, I don't know. Up, He's man. on. He is on that that um, God bless Ozzy Osbourne documentary, giving Ozzy and Sabbath their due. He might have said something nice on there, but there, uh, there's footage of him being a little dismissive. Yeah. Like, go away. Well, it was you know, kind a of lot jealousy, of them, though. I, I kind of think it was a little jealousy. It's a jealous. No, not. I cool. wouldn't say that. Well, I would come just on. Say, Paul's human. He is jealous sometimes when somebody's going to come take his music out. You know. Well. Ray the tiebreaker, who only kind of likes the Beatles. What? Uh, he's just quiet. No, I, I, you know, sometimes you just gotta sit back and shut the fuck up and listen and learn. <laughs> doing well, Jerry, you, yeah, you are I'm, a host I'm, of your own podcast. You need to learn I'm, how to I'm, interject. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm a casual fan of the Beatles. I'm not the biggest Beatles fan in the world, but I, I respect what they meant to music. They did the first metal song. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Helter Skelter. And I think Symptom of the Universe by Black Sabbath did to thrash what Helter Skelter did for metal. Thank yeah. you. Anyway, um, well, Queen, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Queen some credit uh, for that also. I know. I know. Yeah, but I'm sorry. Don't go crazy. Inspired Metallica. Oh, that's a cool song, dude. But it ain't Were fucking. Who was out before Queen, Mark Alden Taylor? Who? Who was out before Queen? Uh, I don't remember. Four guys from Liverpool. Thank oh, you. Yeah. I, I know that, but yeah. but Queen helped invent thrash metal. Even though I think I want you, she's so heavy is more metal than Helter Skelter, but that's okay. Hey, well, she's so I heavy is more metal. Than I think I think we discussed metal. that right on the Beatles episode, yeah, man. But uh, but that's the main thing. That's why I'm glad we have Metal Mike on, black because in 1979 I was playing with Sucker Man and those lame. Superman toys you got from that one company that made the mm -hmm. Kiss dolls. You know what I'm talking about. And I didn't. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't know the name of Kenner? them. Bro, no, I'm in the one Kenner. Kenner uh, they, Star Wars. There you they go. made this fucking. I think the Paul Stanley doll was the Wonder Woman doll by that company. <laughs> Wonder Woman. Mego. Mego. Yes. Mego. Oh yeah, I have. I have a Mego. Captain I had Spider-Man, and, and, and I had Simmons, and Dude, I had... They, they, they basically did everybody... They fucking licensed everybody, except, you just mentioned Star Wars. Dude, Apparently, I, when, I, when, yeah, when, when, when Lucasfilm shopped that to Mago, the dad who ran the business wasn't there, the son was, and he just said no. And when the dad found out, he about flipped shit, because, dude, they had licensing deals with Planet of the Apes. Boy, they <laughs> Star up. Trek, hey. Marvel, and DC. They did DC first, and then their yeah, sons like, "Hey, Dad, how come you don't guys have... still own a Mago Captain Kirk doll in its I package, own... not opened?" Oh, oh no, that. I do not. I do, and I have a Klingon. I like, will show Grandpa, this on the video later today. Grandpa trainer. Grandma Trainer had one of the rarest. My grandma, she was a doll collector, and she had one of the rarest Mago character fucking dolls. It was Aquaman. Oh! And she wouldn't let me open it up. 
was like mm. it was so it was so well, bad. I, I bought these later in my life if i was a kid and bought this captain but, kirk mago and this klingon mago, i wouldn't have i would have opened it play with it and blew i blew up my star wars figures that are worth millions of dollars now so yeah you earn them so when people look at like i don't know what the, what they have in the stores today but i think it was like 10 years ago 20 years ago that Britney Spears dolls and shit. Those you laugh at shit. It. Buy it and leave it in the fucking case. You'll make money. Yeah, hey, man, remember remember 40-year-old? I was just going to say like, that, Mike. for this wedding? <laughs> man, we got to start buying some fucking toys and leaving it in the package. That's what or, sucks about toys, though. I mean, you can't play with them. You just have to fucking look at them. You know what I mean? Remember the 40-year-old version? You know how yeah, right? it was not to open these and play with them? Do you, know rare, do you know how rare a Mego Aquaman doll was it was like oh wow i gotta play with that and she's like no it's gotta stay in the case and i'm like god damn it but uh i it's one of the great things of being the babe of the freeform rock podcast i'm a little bit younger than everybody so i i grew up around people didn't listen to black sabbath back in 79 80 so i got into all this stuff a little bit later and it's great education because We'll get into our review, and I'm like, this is a bit different from that Ozzy stuff. And oh, one, of the, one of the greatest concerts, I would put it up maybe second or third ever that I ever seen. And it was old Black Sabbath, but it was the 04 Ozfest. Fuck yeah. And people can talk shit on Slipknot. They fucking ruled at that goddamn concert. They were great, and yeah. Slayer was there, and all. And fucking... Judas Priest, man, with Rob yes. Alford, it was Priest. badass, dude. Yeah, I was there in St. Louis, and it ruled. And but, goddamn it, Black Sabbath with Ozzy and Bill Ward was one of the greatest fucking shows I ever yes. seen. I've seen Sabbath, the original lineup, like three or four times, and that may have been the best. And what blew me away about it, Charles, was that was the same year he had his ATV accident. And I'm like, and he's up there rocking the fuck out. I was like, damn. It, it was, was incredible. It I, I didn't know how lucky I was, dude. Because I just got a ticket for free. That's like, awesome, dude. And I was like, let's go. And I went. And But you know, I... I'm going to say something right here that's in my also in my notes because I did some research, believe it or not, even though I am a Sabbath nut. That's why you're on here. We need Thank you. Uh, you know, Zach Wilde, of course, Black Label Society, Ozzy's guitar player, and Zach Sabbath, and I don't know how many other bands, uh, Pride and Glory as well. He also dismisses the idea of, of Dio era being authentic Sabbath with no disrespect to RJD. He says, you listen to Black Sabbath with, with RJD in it, and I'm sorry, but it's not Black Sabbath. They should have just called it Heaven and Hell right from the beginning because you listen to that Heaven and Hell album, that doesn't sound anything close to Black Sabbath. I mean, that sounds about as much like Black Sabbath as Blizzard of Oz sounds like Black Sabbath. If you were to play Black Sabbath for me, and I'm a huge Sabbath freako, and then with Father Dio over there, I'd be going, oh, cool. Cool. This is fucking awesome. What band is this? This is great stuff. I mean, the songs don't even really sound Black Sabbathy. I mean, Neon Knights. Could you picture Ozzy singing over that song? No, Zach, I cannot. And that's yeah, that's my take on it. And that is no, and that doesn't mean you know because some people get pissed, man. Like, and I understand some people like Dio era version. Hey, bro, you do you, boo. Not saying it's Thank not you. great. Not saying it's not great. Not saying it's not, 
you know, um, I will do me, boo. It, it, it is very much, it is very much, uh, but it's that. a different band with RJD. It's, it's I'm, I'm gonna, just sorry it is. I'm going to touch on that. And, uh, I think Tony Martin is closer to RJD. He is. Oh, yeah. Era. I don't, I like Tony Martin. I don't listen to that there, era as no much. era of Black Sabbath, in my opinion. There's what, no what? No bad era. No, I would go along with that. No, I None. agree with that. But it's all different. But, but yes. let's get into... Uh, let's move let's this along it. a little bit. Hey, Jerry, let's how did it. you get into Black Sabbath? Um, I remember my sister said this album, man. I was like nine years old. I always used to go to their house and blast this album. This is actually the first album I got into Black Sabbath. Was, uh, kinda, this is, I was into Dio before I was into the Aussie era. So, uh, yeah, and, man, again, we that happened with a lot of people. Again, we timeline. Were, we were, I mean, their debut is still my favorite album, but this is definitely one of my favorite albums. And I think you said this earlier, Mike. I mean, I think Dio added a different or a newer and a fresher approach to that. I think they might be getting a little stagnant. I was going to say that, but I think you said yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I have nothing against. I think they were lucky to come out with something with Arnie James Dio as a, as a replacement for Ozzy. Well, I mean, let's just throw it out here right now, Jerry. In my opinion, thank God they broke up. Okay, I know that might sound crazy, but we got four. Well, really, if you want to talk about it, we'll even throw Bark at the Moon and fucking Born Again in there. We got six great albums that none of that happens. Well, no, wait. It, then if you count Dio's first album, man, 1983 to me was a great year for Sabbath fans because you had Ozzy's Bark the Moon, you had Dio's Holy Diver, and then you fucking had a. fucking Born Again. Are you fucking kidding me, man? Like, yeah. and and I'm. No. I'm lucky, like I keep, you know, because you and I, Jerry, are, are pretty close to the same age, I'm pretty sure. Me and Mark are just a day apart. <laughs> I'm 52. So that timeline shit don't work sometimes. <laughs> no, but well, it does in a way, though, because you said yourself, Kiss didn't really get in your wheelhouse when you were growing up. Where with me, well, I didn't have was. a big brother, so you had. A and big I didn't, brother. yeah, and I had, I had my big brother. I had, I didn't have anybody except my mom. I, it, so. Exactly, well, I didn't and, have anybody either. But I exactly, was you know. But my point is, is I could have been one of those guys that my introduction to Sabbath may very well have been this album. Because, but, but, but I was, I was lucky. I've always said that more than once. Like most people my age, probably their first Sabbath album was this record. Yeah. Jerry. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know not, how I, not what? only, not only do they have Dio out there, I mean, they had great vocalists, man. Ian Gillen, man. Tony oh. Martin. And I hate to fucking admit it, but yes, he was a member of Black Sabbath for a little while. The metal cowboy himself, right now, was no. Ashley. Oh, God. No. Ashley, an official member of Black Sabbath. <laughs> hey, oh, so, man. So, Six so degrees Ray to Gillian. Ray Gillian was a member of Black Sabbath don't also. Bring up, God damn, don't bring him up, Jerry. Please yeah, he don't. Was, he, was, he was a member of Black Sabbath for a short time. Yes, he, he was. He record shit with them. Yeah, I did some, demo, did some demos and shit. Yeah, like that, that. Anyway, but anyway, I mean. Mitch Malloy was, was part of Van Halen, right? But when I finally, you know, timelined the albums into the Dio era, man, I thought it was so organic and natural, man. I thought it was pretty awesome. I don't think Sabbath missed the beat, to be honest with you. All right. Hmm. I'll, get, I'll get into next because oh, uh, I'm probably going to... Let me tell you uh, I got into... Okay, uh, go for it, Charles. I'll, I'll put Metal Mike last because he's going to be the wordy motherfucker. Well, he already said he's been there from the beginning. Okay, he's that's the cool, then. I'll go he's to me the next. 
There's nobody a bigger fan of that band. Oh, yeah. Go for it, and, Charles. Uh, I got into it. Jerry will appreciate this on coming soon, our new podcast, Wrestle Rats. That's what it's uh, called? There you go. We heard it here first. Give me a name. <laughs> I, got, I got into the fucking Black Sabbath. Because there was a little tag team called the Road Warriors, the Legion of Doom. Oh, oh yeah. Their theme song was Iron Man. And all they did when they they would do on the wrestling back in the day, they would show whoever, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin, somebody like that, and then they would go to the commercial. And then when the commercial would come back, you would hear that opening... And the roll and the road warriors would always hit the ring when it would go to and guess they didn't even get to Ozzy singing, the match was over. That was it. The road warriors would just slaughter whoever the fuck was in the ring. And I was like, What is that song? It's so cool. And then I saw on MTV Iron Man, the video, which tell me that video doesn't rule. Oh, oh the boy. trippy, the trippy, uh, yes, acid effect with yeah. the guy that looks like uh, uh, Paul Schaefer from the Dave Letterman band over and over again. The picture of the guy, and I was like, This, I thought Ozzy was just a uh, shot at the dark. I didn't know any better, I was stupid. No, was you like, were oh, young. And a naive. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I was a kid. I was like, oh, I thought he was just shot in the dark guy. And then I was like, Black Sabbath rules. This guy gave me a copy of a We Sold Our Souls to Rock and Roll, which has to be one of the greatest compilations ever. Right? Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. It has to be one of the best. And that was it. And then doing these shows with you guys and other people, you know, Bliss and the Black Sabbath and blah, blah, blah. Yes. Black Sabbath rules. It was one of the greatest concerts I've ever seen was that 04 Ozfest. I was fortunate to see Bill Ward. Saw K.K. Downing with Priest, by the way. Fuck right? yeah. Yeah, the full Priest. Am I the only one that saw the Turbo Tour? Yeah, I didn't see it. Perhaps. I mean, I was on leave from the war, defending everybody's freedom. You were, and I got, you were defending the faith. There you go. Yeah, defending the faith and freedom. <laughs> and it was tremendous. But I didn't grow up. I grew up in a family where we listened to the Bee Gees and stuff like that. I didn't hear Black Sabbath at the time. But later on, I found them. And it was great. But... We will get into this review. I think there's a little bit of difference between what I would consider Black Sabbath and this. Well, oh. I'll get into how I got into them. Go back into 1991. Yes, I got into this band late. Yes, I thought Ronnie James Dio was a fucking evil guy. Yes, I thought Black Sabbath was evil because I came from a Christian family. But I did listen to Motley Crue and I listened to other stuff. My grandpa didn't really care about it, never judged me about it, so I was dumb. So in well, 1991, huh? okay. 1991, I was working at In-N-Out Burger. I transferred to Lakewood from Hacienda Heights because my manager went down there and a the new manager was an idiot. I don't like working with idiots. So I transferred down to Lakewood and I met, 
I made friends with this guy named Sean O'Connell. And his brother was my also my friend from in and out in Hossing Heights. He went and followed the manager too, because that manager ruled Steve McMahon back then. He was a great manager. One of the best managers I ever worked with in my life. Fucking we went to concerts together, yes, fucking everything, dude. We saw Union Tour, we saw Van Halen, we saw all this shit together. He was awesome. He saw Queen in the seventies. I was fucking so jealous of him. Oh man. But uh I got off point there, but Sean O'Connell brought in heaven and hell. And I go, I don't want to hear this guy. I don't want to hear Black Sabbath. They're evil. No, they're not. Listen to the lyrics, you idiot. I start listening to it. I go, dude, he's talking about like fucking mystical shit, dragons and queens, stuff I like, like fucking old timey shit. I fucking love this. Very then, Star Trek. Then I got into fucking Black Sabbath. And then I go, now I want to go find out Dio. And I got into Holy Diver. He had Holy Diver also. Do you have this singer? Does he do other things? And he gave me Holy Diver. To go, oh my God. In and Out Burger ruled. Without In and Out Burger, I wouldn't have got into Metallica, Thrash. I would have been stuck in Huey Lewis in the Newsland and Duran Duran. But I did like Def Leppard in 83. So, but yeah. fuck, man. That's how I got into this band with Ronnie James yeah, Dio. And. I'm just going to say a spoiler alert. This is my favorite version of Black Sabbath, even though I got into Ozzy much later than Dio. Timeline, yeah. maybe. There you go, Mike. Yep, like in Nine Arm. So we can't <laughs> help that. So. But let's get into the first track. What, before we get into this, Jerry, who's your MVP and weakest link of Black Sabbath? Well, I mean, the MVP is obviously Tony Iommi, man. I mean, it's not Black Sabbath. Well, everybody has different opinions of what is Black Sabbath. I think Tony Iommi is the glue. Uh, of all the the carnations, uh, incarnations of Black Sabbath. And of course, I'm going to have to say the least valuable player, my boy Ron Keel, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going through every member of the band? Wow. I guess so. Jerry just like opened it up. Uh, you know, because I'm, I'm looking at the lineup here and I don't see any really weak links, man. So if I see Ron Keel's name right there, I'm like, that's definitely got to be the fucking least valuable player right there. So yeah. Uh, I'm about to take. All right. I'll take Ron Keel for that one. All right, Metal Mike. Oh, on this album, you mean? No, or just I, in like, general? All, all in general, man. Oh, well, if we're going to go all in general... Jerry opened yeah, it up, so there you I'll go. I'll just go... I'll go along with Jerry. Fucking Ron Keel, man. <laughs> I mean, come on, you know? I mean, how can I talk shit on the original members or even other guys that... I mean... No, I can't do that. You know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So, yeah, yeah Ron Keel. Fuck well, if it's a guy that actually recorded on the album, maybe that guy, that drummer from ELO, I can't think of his name. I don't have it. That'll work. But what's your, okay. uh, your, your MVP of Black Sabbath? Oh, God. I, I'd have to almost go with Iomi just because, like Jerry said, he is the glue, you know, I mean... To me, it's kind of like everybody talks about Ozzy's last solo album. Oh, what are your favorite songs? Oh, the ones he wrote and recorded with Iomi. Well, there's a reason for that, you know, because Iomi and Osborne go together like fucking peanut butter and chocolate as far as I'm concerned. But what what makes Tony so great is just like Bildo said, he writes around the strengths and weaknesses and to the talents of the people that are in the band with, with him. And that's what makes him so amazing. But I, I definitely have to give honorable mention to well all four of the original members, you know, because again, it's very hard for me to. I, I mean, this is my favorite band, guys. So you know, it's Black Sabbath. 
All right, man. So I think all four of us are going to agree on the weakest link, Ron Keel. <laughs> uh, because Keel Fest, he was so fucking bad. He, that guy's got to be a weakest link, even on the albums. We, well, I, I, I've noticed it's like six degrees to Keel Fest. Like we could be talking about fucking your band, Oingo Boingo, <laughs> and somehow it's going to come back to Ron Keel, man. <laughs> That was hor- That was a bad experience. I, we yeah, and Jerry I, were the smart people and left I, early. I, I still want my fifty dollars back. Well, you know, Mark, I noticed terrible. in the metal my uh, metal that that metal station uh, Facebook page. You asked what was the worst show you ever been to, and I had to think about it. And I was like, it's got to be Keel Fest, man. <laughs> Hands down, it was awful, it was man. Bad. Fuck. Oh man. So, but my my like Tony Iommi is my uh, MVP advance. Charles, man. My MVP is Bill Ward. Mm. That's a good one. Hey, I love Bill Ward, man. I, I'm, I'm going to go off on a whole rant about Bill Ward later I, on a in my notes. Held back in this album at times. but I Interesting think... you should say that, Charles. Huh. Yeah, we'll delve deeper into this. Okay. I think he is a tremendous drummer and very underrated. Mm-hmm. And my- my least valuable player is Sharon Arden. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going deep. I she, know. Make, oh. she makes Ron Keel look like John Lennon. There you go. John. Let Ozzy relax in peace, you bitch. Okay, next, well, let's get into the album. Let's get into the album, and we start off with the track, Neon Nights, which Jerry picked. So here's Neon Knights on the Freeform Rock Podcast.
Jerry, you picked Neon Knights, brother. Dude, what a fucking... This is, you know, like I said, man, sometimes changes can bring a band, you know, new life. And when, when this fucking, this blistering opening riff starts, man, fucking rules, man. It's a killer fucking guitar riff by Omi. And fucking Geezer Butler, what a bass player that dude is, man. I think it's probably his best album bass-wise, in my opinion. Um, I think he's a uh, very underappreciated. Like you said, Bill Ward, drummer-wise, is very underappreciated. The whole rhythm section is. Dude. Yeah, basically. And the fucking Iomi solo on this one rules. And, man, you said it perfectly, Mike. I never put that together, but Iomi plays to people's strengths, man. And you, that was a perfect, perfect answer, I thought. And uh, and this is proof, like, I think Ronnie James Dio, just on this song alone, I think he's the best metal singer ever, without a doubt, in my opinion. And what a start, man. I'm giving this a five out of five. Yeah, man. But there was something about this one guy who said he played bass on the album and helped write the album. And then Geezer came in and redid his bass parts. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there later. But uh, if you know it, then I'm going to let well, you guys take it. Okay, yeah. go ahead, because I did not know that. Well, yeah, I, I was yeah. reading that a little bit before we started the show. Uh, I'll go next on Neon Knights, man. What a start to the deal era. Man, I, I'm just wondering, Mike. What were the thoughts of Dio coming into the band? Take you, you already said some of that about they would boo him, and then they just changed their minds on him. Well, yeah, he he eventually won people over. Now, from my perspective, one of the early memories I remember, because I do believe this album did come out before Blizzard of Oz, if memory serves. And I remember my cousin had come over to visit us. Kevin was over there, and they were hanging out. And they were smoking cigarettes, and they were talking about Sabbath, and they were kind of like, well, what's Ozzy going to do now? You know, they got the dude from Rainbow, and yada, yada, yada. Like, a lot of people thought Ozzy was done, guys. Okay, they thought it was over for Ozzy. That was the general consensus by a lot of people. And uh, not just in the music business, but even from fans watching from afar. And the interesting thing about Ozzy is when Van Halen went on the road with them for their first album, and they were, you know, obviously touring for Never Say Die, Ozzy would just watch Van Halen every night and was just blown away by him. And he was like, I want to do what I'm doing with Sabbath and combine it with that. And eventually, in my opinion, that's what he did when he found Randy Rhodes. But, you know, that's a whole other album, whole other thing. But it is an important part of the chapter, a chapter in the, the history of sabbathology as i like to call it um but for me it wasn't my first again i don't want to say because it's in the song so I, I might refrain and answer that question later mark if that's okay that's fine but because no, i'm yeah. just gonna say it's an i just wanted to refer to you on what they thought about it then because i wasn't into people liked then. it people liked i mean like kevin and mitchell liked it you know but they were fans of rainbow and they were fans of sabbath you know and uh people people did like it you know um, i didn't really hear a lot of people bash on this album i didn't hear a lot of people bash on blizzard revise you know what i mean like it, it, at the time a lot of especially my musical mentors they were like fuck this is a good thing man and i thought we were going to get a repeat of that with you know, Van Halen didn't happen the way I thought it was going to. No. But that's a whole other story, and I don't really want to get into that. Yeah, you know, yeah, talk about Sabbath off right now. Oh. Yeah, that's fine. But um, but um, yeah, yeah, that was fucking awful in my opinion. But that's me. But 
I going agree. back to Sabbath, going back to Sabbath, um, you know, I, uh, yeah, it, it, it was, it was cool because, again, I remember when Kevin bought Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. I remember when he, you know, I remember Stargazer. I remember, you know, I didn't know the guy's name, but I'm like, oh, the guy from Rainbow is seen in for, with Sap, you know what I mean, kind of thing. And I and I so I I was already a, a Dio fan, even though I may not have put two and two together or realized it at the time, you know, because I was just a little guy when this album came out. I mean, I was freaking, I was nine years old. Yeah, you know, I turned uh, uh, ten in October. So, yeah, you know. Now, and this is there with you. I, I didn't know any of this music because yeah. I didn't have an older brother or I, friends at that time. I didn't get again, friends, so I, I went to In and Out Burger and they introduced me. <laughs> To this new fucking thrash well, metal thank shit. God. How old were you, Mark, when you got introduced to that? You said you were working 16? in and out. I got, I got one on y'all. I was 16, you said? Yeah. I was four when this came out. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, four. Damn. I was listening to Chipmunk Punk. I was too, Charles. I was with you on that Chipmunk Punk. My Sharona, man. Come on. <laughs> Ancient people that were like, yeah, Black Sabbath. I had, I was, I had urban yeah. chipmunk too with Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys Chipmunks. That was, that was, uh, that was uh, the uh, version off of, that was the album off of, uh, what was that country song, music album? <laughs> oh my God, I'm drunk. The uh, <laughs> country movie with John Travolta, Urban Cowboy, Urban Cowboy. Yeah. Urban Cowboy. It was that was off of that. Cece yeah. Spacey was not, hot in that movie. She wasn't in that, but that was Urban nice. Cowboy, she was. No, she wasn't. That she was what? Deborah. Oh, that Deborah was, Winger. Yeah, my bad. And the girl from uh, the movie with Chevy Chase. Yeah, she was in Cold uh, Miner's Daughter. The other one. Yeah. Yeah, which I would have picked the girl from the movie with Chevy Chase. Yeah, That's, I would have picked her too. She was hot. Yeah, she was hot. Pam. Yeah. But uh, let me get into this because I'm the babe in the woods here. Well, let me finish what I was saying. This well, is you a, said it was a great you, song. It, it's a great opener. But uh, go ahead, Charles. All right. We didn't get the metal mic yet, but go ahead. Yeah, he did. He fucking went on. I mean, he told us, man, it rules and people were okay. I have my notes for it, but Mark asked me a question. And I was trying to yeah, answer. I asked him a question during my, my review, so he hasn't got go his review yet. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. That's all good, brother. No, no, you go ahead, dude. Okay. I mean, let's be real. A second here. I think there is a big divide between the Aussie Sabbath fans and the Dio Sabbath fans. And first off, why can't we have both? We can. There's no fucking reason oh, why yeah. we can't. It's I retarded. Agree. Why can't I we mean, have nine arm and ten arm Def Leppard also? Well, that's a whole big difference. difference. That's yeah. a whole other fucking <laughs> conversation, Mark. I'm not going to have with you, dude. Right. Hey, I had to say it. Why not have some Tony Martin, too? I mean, <laughs> editorializing aside, you have to give Dio credit, as Iomi did. Dio would come up with his own vocal melodies to interweave through the riff, which for him opened up new doors musically because Ozzy would just kind of sing along with the riff, whereas Dio would kind of interweave it, which is great. 
Yeah. Dio, Dio would come up with his own vocal melodies and it fucking ruled. And it opened up new doors musically for the band. And boy, does it here. The guitar riff is just absolutely fantastic. I even get a hint. Don't don't hurt me too bad here, but I get a little a little hint, a slight pop sound to this track, but just enough that metalheads shouldn't go setting themselves on fire. Iommi's guitar solo is absolutely divine. This is a mighty killer track right here. Great way to open up the new era of, a sa- of Sabbath, and I give it my total approval. So yeah, interesting, yeah, interesting you said the pop thing, because there's a few songs on here I think they kind of sound they're trying to get radio-friendly with, but we'll get to those songs. A little, when a little bit, I yeah. feel. Metal well, mind. I mean, let's be honest. Ozzy did the same thing. What the fuck do you think Crazy Train was? That was yeah. deliberate. Ozzy yeah. flat out said it in his book, you know? You know, so that, there you go. That was radio friendly at that time. Yeah. Yes, dude. KC ninety five played the song. That's the fuck out of that song. Now again, from my point of view, though, maybe I just happened to live in a cool town that had a great rock radio well, station. I lived in L A. Their whole tagline was KC ninety five real rock radio, and I mean they weren't bullshitting, dude. They I heard Zeppelin. I heard all that stuff played on the radio, man. You know, and I'm talking like early Queen, not just <laughs> we are the champions. You know, yeah. I'm talking, you know, like Ogre they played, battle. they oh, played, oh. yeah, they had a show on Mondays called Monday Night Metal, which I absolutely loved. I mean, yeah, it was some great stuff, man. So, Mike, all right, what's your yes. opinion of Neon Knights? Oh, Neon Knights, right off the bat, starts with a very, in my opinion, new Wobblem or new wave of British heavy metal for you folks out there don't know what Nawabum is the uh, what do they call that the abbreviation for or whatever I hate just galloping riff galloping riff that you know it's a very new wave of British heavy metal uh, galloping riff that immediately makes you bang your fucking head right out of the gate this track much like the opening track from Sabbath's eponymous debut sets the tone for the entire record and this band this is not the same band folks from the ashes of the original sabbath rises heaven and hell amazing opening track and tied as my favorite track of the album all right so we get we get to the next track children of the sea which i picked so here it is on the freeform rock podcast
Okay, man, I picked Children of the Sea. Why? Because I love it when a song starts off slow and it fucking just gets hard as fuck. It's like, it's like light in a shade. The fucking lyrics, it's like, in a misty morning on the edge of time. You know, it's like, my God, Dio paints a fucking world inside your head. What's going on? What are these children of the sea? What the fuck is going on with this shit? Like, it's just, you get lost in the world of his fucking symbolism and madness that he's fucking talking about. This song fucking rules. It's my all-time Black Sabbath favorite song of all time. It just gives me so much imagination. I fucking, I gotta say, it just fucking kicks ass. Jerry, what do you think about it? Oh, let me go next. Let go me go next. next. Yeah. Because you picked the fucking my favorite song in the album. <laughs> I got you. I picked the album. My truth. All you fuckers picked mine. I was like, God damn it, man. I'm like, who else misses Ronnie James Dio? Me. And I know I do. Um, but thankfully, thankfully, like John Lennon and a lot of people that I miss, we have the records to remember. And... Uh, the simple fact is Ronnie can go from beautiful, light, thoughtful vocals in the beginning of the song and that prototypical deal roar is a thing of wonder. I've always really been mad into Geezer's bass work on this track. Uh, definitely bring it on this one, even though I understand he actually re-recorded all of his base work on this. Uh, he was going through some personal issues at the time, uh, divorce, and allegedly Rainbow and Elf bassist Craig Gruber originally laid all the bass parts down here, but then Geezer just re-recorded it without listening to it. Either way, I'm glad he did his base work, and it's so killer on this track. Another fresh air type of song Definitely can feel Dio's overall influence on this track. It's my favorite track on this record. But this album, honestly, it isn't easy to pick a favorite track. But I'm going to say it. this one is. So you beat me to it. <laughs> but it was your Well, I'm glad I picked it because whoever picks it gets the first track. Damn it. Their choice. So I had to pick. This the song is amazing. And Geezer's bass work is phenomenal. Fucking great. But uh, Metal Mike, what do you think about it? Well, before I get into it, I do want to add a little bit more because some of the research I've done is you, you mentioned Craig Gruber. I only said in a 1996 interview that he participated only for, quote, a bit. Now, Gruber said he he said that his contribution was quite substantial. He says he co-wrote most of Heaven and Hell's songs, and it was he and not Butler who played on the, based on the album. Despite not being credited for his contributions, Gruber says he and the band nonetheless reached a, quote, suitable financial arrangement. Iommi conceded in his 2011 autobiography that Gruber had indeed recorded all the bass parts on Heaven and Hell, but Butler had re-recorded them upon his return without listening to Gruber's bass tracks, which is what you said. Gruber later stated in an interview that 2009 he only helped write die young so yeah. there you go like he was trying to take a lot more credit than he fucking deserves like look craig i'm sure you're good playing rainbow but you're not fucking geezer butler so shut the fuck up yeah. all right yeah. anyway 
Uh, track two, Children of the Sea, beautiful acoustical intro with Ronnie, providing very melodic vocals, and then it just kicks into the awesome, riff-tastic, Tony Iommi-erific, smack to the ear hole. The rhythm section of Butler and Ward are good, particularly the tasty bass playing of Geezer. The drumming is well done and competent. But I'm going to have to say this, folks. This does not sound like Bill Ward playing drums to me. Yeah, Bill's I, playing style on the pre- remember making this right, album. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, he has no memory of recording it. I'm going to get in that in a minute. Bill's playing style on the previous albums are more organic and chaotic, where the drumming on this album is, in my opinion, much more precise. Not saying that's a bad thing, but it's much more precise, almost like a machine. Um, which, again, not a bad thing. I love those type of drummers, too. Matt, I, even, uh, even the guy, Matt Sorum, you like him too? No. He ain't no fucking Steven Adler. Let's just <laughs> leave it at that. If I were a newbie fan and didn't know any better and someone would say, hey, Vinny Apice was playing drums on this album, I would believe it because it sounds like the drumming from Mob Rules. And again, that's no slight on Vinny. I think Vinny is a terrific drummer, man. But I'm, I'm just saying... Uh, Bill Ward, to my ears, is a combination of the heaviness of John Bonham combined with the chaos of Keith Moon with a bit of swing and jazz drumming mixed in. I completely agree he's fucking overrated and de- or underrated and doesn't give the fucking credit he deserves when they talk about the great drummers of the 1970s. Yeah, Bonham's amazing. Yeah, all those guys were. But God damn it, show Bill Ward some fucking love, motherfuckers. I agree. Totally. I- Anyway, a se- amazing second track. I fucking love it. It's not true Sabbath to my ears, but definitely part of the Sabbath family tree. Tied with Neon Knights is my favorite track of the album and a good part of the Sabbath family tree and discography. So, and, again, uh, love it. Three of love us it. agreed it's their favorite track, but we get to Jerry. Jerry. I mean, this is my, this is no doubt my favorite song off the album. As a matter of fact, oh. this is my favorite, this is my favorite Black Sabbath song of all time. Right on. So, man, I won't go that far. Well, this fucking, mine. <laughs> this fucking rule. This fucking rules, man. I love that acoustic and those sweet, I don't know who the fuck's playing bass now, over that acoustic playing. It's easier, like, come on. Okay. <laughs> but it's fucking angelic, dude, man. It's a cool mid tempo jam, man. It just fucking he rules. owns this track. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, fucking just the, and you mentioned how what a great fucking poet our Dio is, man. I mean, look out, the sky is falling down, shit like that, man. Just fucking, it just it's like watching, it's like listening to theater. You can actually almost picture the fucking lyrics. You know what I mean? And this song he paints words. He paints exactly. Paints man. words. And you're here. thinking, what the fuck is he talking about? Sometimes? And this motherfucker here, and they perfectly nail it in this motherfucking song. This song, I agree. Words. This is a top 10 song of all time on my list. I, I, I totally agree with you, Jerry. And, but I'm thinking maybe metal. Is this Sabbath, though? For I me? Don't. No. But that doesn't mean it's not great. No, it's, it's heaven and hell, okay? It's heaven and hell, guys. Heaven? Which is I, awesome. Oh. I'm not putting it down. I'm not, I'm not diminishing yeah. it. But it, when Ronnie, Ronnie was that kind of guy that he, dude, Okay, for instance, man, I like a lot of the post-Dio, Rainbow, but 
And it, it don't fucking hold a candle to the shit that Ronnie did with Blackmore, man. Yeah. Ronnie was one of those guys that I think if he'd have joined any band, he's going to affect them. Okay? Yeah. Period. Okay? I mean, exclamation oh. point. So, I'm, I mean, again, I'm not, I, I love Dio. I'm not, I, you know, but to me, me, they became a different band with Ronnie. It still had that guitar sound of Black Sabbath. Oh, yeah, of course they did, Mark, but even it's different, in my opinion. Like, some of it, some of it, what I'm hearing on here, and even Iomi said that one of the things he said was that he didn't always feel comfortable, believe it or not, with this record because there's more fast paced songs. He wasn't used to that. Most, I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, paranoid, um, uh, you know, symptoms of the universe. It's not to say Sabbath didn't do faster songs, but most of their songs were fucking thick, plotting, doomy, fucking evil fucking riffs, man. I mean, dude, Neon Knights right off the bat. I mean, it's very, I, I love it, man. I mean, to me, it was like, and you got Martin Birch. Okay, who produced it, who was suggested by Dio, by the way, because believe it or not, Tony Iommi had produced every Black Sabbath album before that after Master of Reality. You know, they had not worked with an outside producer until they got Martin Birch. And, when you're, and, and look at Martin Birch's fucking, just look at his resume. Make right. mean I say more, man. And I think there is definitely, maybe it was conscious, maybe it wasn't. You got to remember what was going on. Maiden was getting a lot of buzz with that first record. Like, I'm sorry, but when you got Ozzy who was recording Blizzard of Oz and Diary at the same time, and he's standing in the back of the fucking pub watching Maiden from afar. If you think that the other guys in Sabbath weren't paying attention to the new wave of British heavy metal and what was fucking going on in England at the time, because new wave of British heavy metal was metal's answer to punk, okay? Just yeah. like fucking new metal was metal's answer to grunge. Which I said it. Night with On Through the Night is better than Diamond Star Halos, Mark. By a long shot. Well, and, I, I uh, never disagreed with that. And uh, I, I'm kind of like on board with Metal Mike here. It's just from because I'm the babe in the woods in this on this episode here. I'm the young kid. I didn't get into them till after fucking ninety. Uh, 90- Whatever, it's 80, 80, 91, dude. So. Okay, but Mark, you got to look yeah. at it from this point oh. of view. You just said yourself, this was your introduction to all world, yeah. uh, all things Sabbath, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so Ozzy, for you, I got into Dio and Ozzy because of Sabbath, this album. But I understand it, that, my friend, but what I'm trying to say is to you, this is, this is Black Sabbath probably because yeah. it's your introduction to, you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah. For somebody who's coming in even later and coming in and going, oh, I, ex-, you know, it's kind of like what Edwin Canastracci did with with Kiss. It's like there's things where I'm like, man, I don't really see it that way, but I could see from somebody who didn't get into Kiss, much like you and Edwin, till years well, later, I, you're going to have a different perspective on things, man. But, yes. uh, but I don't know about that, Mike. I mean, if you really think that. Um, Thrills in the Night is a great kiss song. I, I, I am not fucking it, saying it, that at all, yeah. dude. You're missing the point, dude. I, I, I mean, I think it's a combination of drugs and timeline. Drugs what I'm saying is Mark, Mark wasn't like Mark wasn't introduced to Kiss till <laughs> way later. What was your first Kiss album, Mark? What was the first Kiss song you heard? Uh, my first Do you even remember? Kiss song was Doctor Love. 
Okay, that's a and good then, And then I, I didn't and think about play, them till like, uh, like yeah. Revenge with uh, Bill and Ted's I gave rock and roll to you. So. Oh my god, that song is horrible. And you like, you uh, like, you like Crazy Nights better than Look It Up. I can't. said it's about <laughs> on par with me. It's as not as on par. It's not even close. You know what? Back. I'm going to quote Samuel Jackson. It's not even the same ballpark. It ain't even no. the same fucking sport, man. <laughs> All right, man. Let's let's get off of right. now. Mark's I, like, God damn it. Leave me alone with my love for Grazy Nights. <laughs> let me say, you know, I get it, but I mean, again, my introduction was Exactly. <laughs> Mine Burr. was it. <laughs> And then the Road Warriors beat the Malkies in 30 seconds. It was over. I mean, but, I mean, that's, to be fair, I get you. But this is not, this is not like Night Ranger terrible. Oh, God. This isn't like damn Yankee shit. This is, I mean, this is, it's still great. I mean, it's still But a band that you really like that I don't like, because I can't really talk shit about Oasis. And... Ghost you anymore? Can. You can. I've I've moved on. But no, but That's... I I can't talk shit about them because I li actually like some of their shit now. <laughs> yeah. So well, I mean, yeah, I get that. But I mean, you can make fun of them if you want. But I'm just saying. But that's being dishonest. So I can't do time that. stamps. As Metal Mike said, is everything. Right. I mean, you know. It is. And, and that's yeah, yeah. That's all I'm saying. So it's like I'm not sitting there and going, well, hey, man. You know, now when I was younger, I was very much like, "Well, you're fucked in the head if you." But you know, you're young, you're arrogant, you fucking yeah. think you know every fucking thing. And then when I had people go, "Well, hey, my first introduction to anything Sabbath was," I mean, I know people that their first introduction to Sabbath was Born Again or Mob Rules, right? So you know, hey, it's like my first I, introduction to ACDC uh, with Dirty. You want to hear hot take? I think Mob Rules is a better record than this one, and I love this record. Wow. I kind of yes, I'm I love kinda there with you though on that one. It's kind of like volume 2 of this, but uh um Jerry, were you finished with uh Children of the Sea? Yes. Okay, let's it. move on to the next track. Well, it it's just it's not Sabbath. But go ahead. We get to the next track, uh Lady Evil will start with you, Mike. Oh man, just a killer tasty bass line provided by the great Geezer Butler. Just a very a lot of groove to this track, man. It's one of those songs you can kinda like walk down the street to. RJD is in fine form as fucking always. Tony's just absolutely killing it with his lead guitar work and riffage, which I expect nothing less from the master of metal riffs. And Bill is great as well. I also hear elements of technical ecstasy and never say die on this track though, believe it or not, especially on the guitar work and the guitar soloing. But another killer track, man. All right, uh, Jerry. Okay, unpopular opinion time. Um, the sound of the song is just fucking weird to me, man. Uh, a lot of people love this song and never really... I mean, it's okay. It was never my favorite off the album. It, to me, it just sounded... I don't know, it just not sound right. But with that being said, I'm, I'm going to make this short tweet. Sabbath doesn't make filler. But with that being said, I'm giving it a three out of five. It just doesn't really do much for me. All right. And I said, this might be the most commercial song on this album, but it's fucking rules. That bass line by Geezer to start the song, you know you're in for a fucking ride. 
These lyrics make you imagine of that what Witched Valley looks like. And I imagine this lady with long dark hair with fucking long fingernails scratching the fuck out of your back with huge boobs. Man, I just turned myself on with this fucking review. Oh, God. Oh, fuck. This song rules. I fucking love it. What do you think about it, Charles? I'm going to have a hard time sleeping tonight thinking about that. Uh, <laughs> shit. You don't think of a chick with huge boobs and long fingernails? With a, That's like not a, what we're thinking. Like a hot witch? Like a hot witch? No? I like you. I think Jerry would agree. We're equal opportunity. You can have any side boobs you want. <laughs> I agree. Uh, for a song that is about a mystical evil woman hmm. chilling in the witch's valley, this is about as catchy as they come. I would have to assume that people would go, Ew, Black Sabbath. I usually go, I usually go for Matchbox 20, like Mark Alden Taylor. <laughs> uh, I would probably get their groove on this one. As again, it's totally catchy. It's almost poppy, this song. It's got a, got a kind of poppy group to it. So I said commercial, a little commercial. But distorted bass work is cool as hell. Great guitar solo. And the groove is really, well, yeah, I say grooving. I think uh, this, one be, this one would be great. To floor someone that's not typically typically into manly rock. You know, they like Survivor, Night Ranger, lame shit like that. Thank you. And, uh, uh, thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it. And uh, point them to this one. And they'd be like, oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Who is that? Black Sabbath. I like it. Very poppy. But a great track once again. Am I wrong to say it's a bit poppy, Metal Bike? No, no. I, 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 th I definitely think there's some catchiness to it. You know, um, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's got a different kind of. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's just it's like Ron. It's just like Ron Nevinson Black Sabbath to me. Uh. <laughs> wow. wow. I, I don't know if it's I'd go that so far, far, bro. It's, I mean. <laughs> No, I know with Dio, it's a different sound in general, but this song just sounds... I, I, ugh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't, it's not my favorite track on the album, you know? It, it kind of dipped a little bit. Yeah, I like it, yeah. I mean, it's kind of... It's, it's this... It's Heaven and Hell's version of Crazy Train. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> Yeah. Let's inside one with the title track, Heaven and Hell. I'll go first on this one. Oh, man. The lyrics, they say that life's a carousel, spinning fast, you're going to ride it well. The world is full of kings and queens that blind your eyes and steal your dreams. It's heaven and hell. They tell you black is really white. The moon is just the sun at night. And when you walk in golden halls, you keep the gold and the fall that falls. It's like, what the fuck, dude? It's like, I'm sitting here listening to a fucking movie. I like going fucking kings and queens and fucking shit like this. Steal your dreams. This is like fucking politics, man. This is politics. It's like Game of Thrones shit. It's Game what it of is. Thrones shit, man. This is fucking one of the best songs. I didn't pick it because everybody knows this song. And I'm glad you guys didn't pick it either because this fucking just, this song just, you don't really need to play it because if you don't know it, you don't know where the fuck you've been. 
This song is one of the best fucking songs of all time, lyrically, musically. And it's a fucking perfect song. It's got light and shade. It's got speed up. It's got thrash. It's got everything. I fucking love Heaven and Hell. What do you think about it, Mike? Um, interestingly enough, this was the very first track I ever heard from the Heaven and Hell version of Black Sabbath. Uh, my local rock radio station I mentioned earlier, KC95, played this track when the album was just released. This is just epic fucking metal. Nothing more <laughs> needs to be said. That's it. I mean, it's it's heaven and hell. You know what I mean? It it it's yeah. It's fucking great. Yeah, man. Uh, Jerry. All right, now we're back on track, man. This is a fuck. You guys said it before. This is a perfect fucking metal tune. The band is firing on all fucking cylinders here, man. This is a song you got to put your fucking headphones on and just fucking blow your eardrums out, dude. It fucking was especially like after the four and a half minute mark. Where it just starts jamming you know, towards the end. What a fucking great tune this is. This is another five out of five, man. Hands, hands down, a fucking total, total metal classic. The melodic leads that Tony is doing is just fucking ear candy. I yeah, and, I, and, I, and I'm viewing it differently now because Mike, when Mike said that he plays the people's strength, that makes a lot of sense for this album now. So that's one, you know, great, great, great comment on that. So Thanks. Charles, man. I don't know what the fuck you guys are listening to because I'll tell you right now. I mean, like you two, you still haven't found what I'm looking for. Oh God! Blows this song away, Bob. Hey, fuck you! This song rules. What the fuck are you talking <laughs> hey, about? Hey, you stole my playbook. I'm just kidding. Jesus Christ! I mean, Bob. Hey, you two sucks. We don't care about Vegas. Hey, uh, hey, 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 I yeah. like those posts he's posting on YouTube in Vegas, and they got great reviews. We'll talk about that later. Go back, ahead. back to the group, so I got to listen to YouTube bullshit. Again. I didn't force I'm, it on you. I'm struck at the approachability of this record. Am I wrong, Mike? It's like a very approachable record. Oh, yeah. For like quote-unquote non-metal heads. It's got a certain feel to it. <clears throat> well, I... Well, yeah, I never really thought about it like that before, but I mean, if you watch the Dio documentary, even, there was a lot of people that, they weren't quite sure what to expect from this album. Right. And when they drop it on, you know, they were, some people were pleasantly surprised, you know. Um, I, I definitely uh, would recommend this to non-metalheads if they were interested in uh, spreading their wings a little bit. This isn't this isn't as catchy as, say, Lady Evil, but there's enough hooks again in this track that would bring more folks into the fold, I think. I think... Uh, Pretty impressive for a song that's almost seven minutes long. No dude. doubt. I mean, Dio's vocals are just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I think this is the first track where Bill, Bill Ward's drumming is just slamming on it. I mean, I think he really brought it on this track iomi's guitar work is some of the best i've heard thus far great title track and i can say have yet to hear anything approaching filler on this record another favorite of mine just below children of the sea fuck you mark for picking us <laughs> yeah i thought the same like, that's a song that i wanted you, too. you, so, you yeah, know why you, you know why i picked this album because i was afraid you guys are going to pick it and pick children of the sea 
I had to take it before you guys fucking got that song. It was all this about the song, awesome. man. This is an awesome song. Yeah. And then we then we flip this bitch over if you have the vinyl and we uh get to Wishing Well, which Metal Mike picked. So here's Wishing Well in the Freeform Rock Podcast. Sorry for interrupting the podcast. I just want to take a second to thank all of you for listening. Please take a second to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Podbean. And join the Freeform Rock Podcast community on Facebook. Now, back to the show. All right, Metal Mike, you picked Wishing Well, man. Did I really? I thought I picked... Um, oh, you picked Die Young, didn't you? No, I, Charles uh, picked Die Young, remember? That's why. Yeah, I, I thought I picked Lonely is the World. No, I thought you, that was well, a word. You could change your shit, but go ahead yeah. and talk about Die Young, man. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, well, let's go Wishing Well first. Um, yeah, again, well, no, you go Wishing Well first, and then I'll play the... Well, fuck, he, now I fucked up. Yeah, you might, you're gonna, you might have to edit that out, dude. Yeah, I don't edit. I'll just let it go. So uh, okay. we're not playing. We didn't play Wishing Well. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Wishing Well, though. It's another fast-paced track. Um, I always stated that he kind of struggles with writing faster-paced songs. Um, I got to be honest, though. I would never have known that if he had not revealed that info. Um, but because uh, fuck, man, you know, Neon Nights, this Mob Rules, you know, Symptom of the Universe, Paranoid. You know, I mean, there was definitely some more faster paced sabbath songs out there man or even some songs where it might start off all slow like say hand of doom but then gets all fucking faster you know what i mean so yeah. i was like oh okay but uh anyway a really cool opener for side two i like it so what do you think about jerry yeah i really i really like this song uh, as well um, a lot of my friends thought this was a skipper on the album but i i really disagreed with them I mean, when I when I when I listen to music, I don't listen to the words per se as much as I do the musicianship. And the musicianship of this song is really fucking solid, dude. Um, great fuck, Bill Ward and Geezer Butler, man, one of the greatest fucking rhythm sections of all time. We've said that before, but we can't say it enough. Uh, is it the greatest tune on the album? Nah, maybe not, but it's still worthy of a four out of five, in my opinion. All right, then I'll I'll go. Uh, this song rules. Listen to that bass that Geezer is fucking slapping. Man, those riffs, the drums, then you bring in the dear deal lyrics, man. Just put a movie in my head again. Let's me imagine a world that I've never fucking seen. What a great fucking song. What do you think about it, Charles? Butler and Ward are phenomenal on this track. Right off the bat. And again, it's a very catchy type of track. Not it's it's definitely uh a non-metalhead could check this out, and they might like it a lot. Uh, is Zach Wilde right in his assessment, though, that this is too far away from Pure Sabbath? Maybe. But you know what? The people may not, that don't like metal may enjoy it. So I enjoy the song, but it's not very Sabbath-y. All right. All right. So then we move to the next track. Charles, would you pick Die Young? Fuckers. So here's Die Young on the Freeform Rock <laughs> Podcast.
Charles, that was Die Young, man. Well, Jeff Nichols, ladies and gentlemen, on the keyboards. And uh, they really add, he really does add the ambiance to this track. Hell, man, to me, the opening has a slight Pink Floyd feel to it. Circa the Wall, very great album. Uh, nothing wrong with that to me. Then we get back to the metal, and yes, this track I think exploits in a great way the new the new field of the band and the dynamic between Dio and Iomi as far as the interaction of the voice and the guitars. The chill out section is so wonderfully sung. This track is beyond description to me of how good it is. Another fantastic track here, as well as we get a little slight Floyd influence, and I even hear a little ELO with some keyboard work. This is how you marry different styles into a metal song and make it work. Fantastic track. The whole band rules on this one, and that's too many good things to mention on this album so far. Yeah. Did they double Tony's guitar on this song? It sounds like it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's pretty fucking... 
good the riffs and the cool leads he's doing throughout the song like and this album is perfect so far man uh and they break into that chorus and the song comes down a little bit with dio sounding like an angel and those keys come in that you brought up charles trainer fucking it just hits you in the balls this song fucking rules uh metal mike oh um very cool atmospheric keyboard intro provided by jeff nichols who was the band's unofficial keyboardist uh just another fast-paced killer track tony is just fucking playing his ass off on this one and rgad is just killing it as well this track is again another exhibition as to why this is not black sabbath this is fucking heaven and hell and you know what that's okay because it's fucking awesome they eventually changed their name to heaven and hell when they didn't have to use the sabbath brand this became a totally different band when rjd entered the picture especially once bill ward left and vinnie apathy succeeded him fucking a phenomenal track the rhythm section is great everything about this fucking song is great it fucking rules and tied with uh um the opening track and the second track is my favorite track of the album. It's really hard to pick, man. I fucking love the uh, shit. Hell yeah. Uh, Charles, man, what do you think of Die Young? Yeah, I picked it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jerry, you're last, man. You know, a lot of people bitch about synthesizers and stuff, but when it works, it fucking works. And it works on this song, dude. Um, I don't have much more to add than what you guys did, man, except... The formula to this song is absolutely fucking genius, in my opinion, being a musician. Um, I don't really want to add to it. This is another 5 on. 5, dude. Fucking great tune. Man, what a fucking album this is, man. And you know what, Jerry? I do, I'm do. i glad you mentioned what you said about keyboards, because a lot of people think I'm a keyboard. I, I do not hate keyboards, okay? I like keyboards. They have their place, and they're used properly, and, when they're, and they enhance the song. Yes. Thank you. Don the, Airy with the, Ozzy. Or the yes Jeff Nichols with Sabbath. Um, hey, yeah, but you know what? When the I fucking song is drenched with fucking keyboards, and yeah. all I can hear is keyboards and nothing else, fuck that shit. Tony right. K I, is I, also a great keyboard player. Oh, prog, prog music is different. For keyboard, keyboards belong in prog music. Yeah, but uh, I, I agree with the final count, then. That was way too much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that sucked. But ELO, I heard a little bit of ELO in certain parts in here. And they Not were, wrong with that. ELO's awesome. Yeah. And they were keyboard-tastic. Then we get okay. to the next track, uh, Walk Away. Uh, I'll start with you, Jerry. Okay. Um, this is the closest thing in my opinion, to Black Sabbath filler, but um, it's still not filler, though, but it's the closest thing to it. Um, this is what I was talking about, where they're trying to be too radio-friendly here, maybe. Uh, I don't know. This song, again, never really cut it for me, but like I said, there's no such thing as Sabbath filler, so it's still a solid three out of five. All right, Metal Mike. Um, kind of got to echo what Jerry's saying, man. It's a good track, but it, I mean, it's kind of the weakest song on the album. I'm just going to say it right now. Uh, not saying I don't like it or anything, because I definitely do, but it's kind of like what uh, our friend Wadzilla would say is killer filler. And that's it for me. It feels like Joe Lynn Turner Rainbow. <laughs> wow. Like, you know, you know, the stuff more commercialized. This is something you wouldn't expect from Black Sabbath. Uh, walk away. It's a good song, but I agree with you. It's the most like it's killer filler. It's like Joe Lynn Turner Rainbow to me, but I like it because I like the Joe Lynn Turner Rainbow. Charles, what do you think about it? The real 
stuff on this track is far from prototypical evil sounding. You know, like Iomi stuff. Uh, sounds accessible and online with the rock acts of the time. Uh, you know, being I was playing with Tinker Toys in this day and age, uh, did old school Sabbath fans take this as well? I'm going to guess no. Mike might be able to say. Um, yeah, this was kind of considered. Yeah. Like, it's, it's yeah. Like I said, it's the weakest song on the album to me. Right. And it's yeah. it's not horrible. I don't hate it, but I'm like, huh, okay. Kind of a. Yeah, a, I, I like it, but it's just far from the established album that I'm uh, assuming old school Sabbath fans may have been like. Like, yeah. Did they love it? I'm, I don't think so. Heezer's I, Butler bass work was a highlight. I do enjoy it, but it's it's filler. It's it's probably the only filler track on the album, in my opinion. Yeah, we all agreed on that one. And then we get to the true Metal Mike pick of the episode, Lonely is the Word, on the Freeform Rock Podcast. <laughs>
Dead Metal Mike, Lonely as the Word. Um, the epic final track. I just love the sludgerific riff. This and this is right here is a song that does sound more like the Ozzy era Sabbath because it's 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 um it's it is slower, you know. Uh, it's uh, and it's also something I can just. I mean, Dio sings his ass off on it. Everybody, the musicianship's stellar. We've already, you know, covered that really. It, it, it and it's a song I definitely relate to, especially late in life. No wife, no kids. I'm totally bachelorific. It's the only road I know. See what I did there? Yeah. Um, the musicianship and chemistry is just fucking stellar on this. Like. I got to give Iommi credit. He could have very well. I don't know if he could have easily done it, but he didn't try to find an Aussie clone. Like some guys, when they lose a singer, they'll try to get somebody who sound like, like okay. And I'm not ripping on them, but but Queensrÿche is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. He got a guy totally fucking different from Aussie. Couldn't be any more different from Aussie, but fucking just as great in my opinion. You know, like it was like. It's fucking killer, man. I love it, and I love this song. And uh, it was a, it was a toss between this and the, and the title track, but I went with this because I thought, you know what, I'm going to go more deep cut. You know, because like I said, man, everybody's hurt. Anybody who isn't a metal fan or Sabbath fan has heard Heaven and Fucking Hell. Yeah. So yeah, there there you go, man. So, Terry, uh, right? Yeah, um, it's a long way to long way to long way to nowhere, and I'm leaving real soon. And that was a story of my life for the first thirty years. Uh, but you know, Mike mentioned it. What a great fucking tune this is! Great mid-tempo rock with fucking nasty guitar riffs, man. I've not talked about Tony Iommi much. I'm gonna wait till my last review here. But the undisputed father of metal guitar, hands down, man. I mean, everything. Goes back to his guitar playing, in my opinion, as far as the metal genre is concerned, man. Definitely, fucking guy rules. Um, I don't know if the getting his two fingers cut off made him a better guitar player or a better sounding guitar player. I don't know. Some Kinda people make that argument. Yeah, but he had worked. to down tune. He had to down tune in order to play the guitar. So it I mean, worked. And look, oh. look at the result. I mean, you can't yeah. argue the result. But, I mean, like I said, what a great way to end the fucking album, dude. Great fucking tune. I'll give this whole record a 4.2 out of 5 average from all my uh, my reviews. So, great fucking record. Alright, I'm just going to say what an epic song to end this incredible album. It has everything a Black Sabbath and Neo fan loves. Riffs, lyrics, lots of imagery. Ward with those drums and melodic solos Tony brings. It's so fucking good. And Bill Ward's drums, man. I already said that, but uh, Geezer Butler, man, fucking, he came in and fucking slapped that bass, fucking great shit. I know he was happy when Dio came in the band, because he didn't have to actually hold the load of writing the lyrics, so this was a break for him on on writing lyrics on this, right, right, Metal Mike? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, it's weird, because, like, it, it's really funny, because if you read some of the Sabbath books, Geezer sometimes would give Ozzy more credit, and Ozzy always credits Geezer, and Tony kind of said, well, they kind of did it together. Like, Ozzy would come up with these scat vocals, and sometimes if it was something really cool, they'd keep it. If it was something they weren't really feeling, then Geezer would come along and, and, and change the lyrics. And also, Ozzy even was like, hey, man, can you write these lyrics or this or that? But Ozzy did write, like, the first Black Sabbath song. Ozzy wrote those lyrics. He wrote 
he wrote fairies wear boot he wrote the red you know so the it's it's one of those things though but yes geezer was called upon to help ozzy out a lot where with dio he didn't have to do any of that you know um but i mean it's kind of interesting because i've got super deluxe set of uh um black sabbath volume four in the opening track wheels of confusion and the straightener um you can hear the alternate version and the lyrics are completely different they're ozzy's lyrics they're not bad but he's actually seen in about how the world has um kind of turned to shit and there's all this pollution and nobody can drink any water and everybody's dying and how the world used to be this beautiful place until mankind destroyed it and uh when Geezer took it, he took it in a whole other direction, you know, talking about growing up and how you live in this fantasy world. And as you get older, you become more cynical. I loved both versions, though, you know, so I was like, oh, it's kind of interesting. And the original lyrics to uh, uh, War Pigs, Ozzy wrote, are way more evil. I mean, there's the part where he's talking about throwing a fucking priest into a fire and all kinds of evil shit. And Geezer and Tony were like, whoa! <laughs> you know, so then they did, you know, because it's because originally it was going to be called Walpurgis. And that's when they had the Ozzy lyrics. And then when they turned into War Pigs, Geezer changed the lyrics, which are fucking amazing. So, uh, yeah. Uh, there you go, man. I mean, it's just a, a great, great album. Great record. Um, you know, Nothing more to be said. I mean, it's it's just all right, Charles. Remember man. the Sabbath and keep it black, motherfuckers. That's what I say. <laughs> what's your final? What's yeah. your uh, lonely is the word? Reward. Zeddy enjoyed playing this track, and I can see why. I love the feel of this track. Drum work is maybe some of his best here. Uh, feels feel this song is way more to my liking than walk away and i get some of that jazz feel that sabbath is known to put to use from time to time uh also could have iomi's i think it might be a tony's most interesting guitar work on the whole album everything about this track is perfection especially that rhythm section I do think Bill Ward stands out on this. Uh, not, not entirely sure why they felt the need, though, to add a keyboard part that sounds almost note for note uh, uh, of a ripoff of Stairway to Heaven because that was at the end. But uh, whatever, maybe it was a tribute to Zeppelin. Uh, that aside, it's a great song. Great close of the album. No, no complaint from me. One filler track. It was still an awesome album. Yeah, man. I give this album an 8 out of 8 bong rips. Like, and it's a perfect album with that one filler, like you guys were saying. But then we get into our final thoughts, Jerry. Um, You know, Mark, I got a hand to you, man. You picked a good record this week, dude. Because uh. <laughs> I had to pick Children of the Sea, man. I had to get that. Well, anyway, it's just, it's, just, it's always, you know, fucking great to have Mike on the show, dude, man. Well, thank um, you. Guys. He was on my, he was on, he was on my very first show, like I said earlier, and that's, that, that, that was, you know, was an important show for me to do, because I still think I got a lot to learn, and a lot to, a lot to do to get better as a podcast. Hey, man, I, I'm touched, dude. Thank you. Hey, I have a shirt of yours, man, with your I know, on. right? Yeah, I'm like, wow. <laughs> that means something. It's like, but, you know, Peart said a, a master can't, you know, Pert. should not meal Peart. 
said a master should not stop learning. So, yeah, we always exactly. need to learn better. So, but no, you know, you know, uh, you know, I'm clapping my hands to market the stick, dude. Good job. All right, Metal Mike. Uh, remember the Sabbath and keep it black, man. You know, I mean, seriously. Uh, uh, you know, I love Black Sabbath. I love the Sabbath family tree. Um, y- you know, uh, I love a lot of, but it, all, it for me, they there's a reason why they're my all-time favorite band. And don't get me wrong, I love Deep Purple. I love Priest. I love, uh, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin. I love all those bands. And I can certainly see why some people might prefer one band over the other. I mean, Zeppelin were fucking amazing. Um, but there's just something about uh, Iomi's riffs and just, it just, I don't know, it just grabs me, man. And it's interesting that you mentioned Bill Ward because, yeah, he did like this song. Um, and at the time, he stated that due to his alcoholism, he has no memory of all of this period in which the album was recorded. And he said that in the, the Black Sabbath, The Last Supper concert documentary. Um, his behavior became totally erratic. On the Heaven and Hell tour, Ward began dis- dictating long and rambling press releases to the band's public relations representatives after every show and instructing them to get that out there on the news wires tonight. Ward's personal issues, which included the deaths of both his parents, would soon force him out to leave the band. Uh, in fact, Dio recalled answering the telephone in his hotel room one morning mid-tour to hear Ward say, I'm off then, Ron. To which Dio replied, that's nice, Bill. Where are you going, buddy? No, I'm off, mate. I'm at the airport now. And, and indicating that he was incapable of completing the tour. And, of course, that's when Vinny came along um, and did what he did. But there's another thing where he he mentions, Bill talked about, you know, that he wasn't 100% sold on, believe it or not, the musical direction. Like, he thinks it's a good record, but that it... I guess just recording without Ozzy, it really affected Bill. Him and Ozzy were very, very close friends at the time, you know. And, uh, yeah, he even says right here, personal issues aside, drummer Bill Ward was not completely happy with the direction Black Sabbath was moving in creatively. Heaven and Hell for me wasn't a turning point, he recalled. Heaven and Hell was the beginning of a new band, which I had no idea what band I was in. It was almost like Ron was capable of coming up with lyrics that seemed like to fit his idea of how Black Sabbath ought to be, and I sensed a kind of unrealness about the lyrics. My favorite song on Heaven and Hell was a blues song that we did, Lonely is the Word, and that seemed to be real. So that it reinforces what you said, Charles. But things like Lady Evil, they seemed almost like bandwagon type lyrics. He goes, no disrespect to Ronnie, though. He goes, lonely is the word. I definitely like playing that song. And Children of the Sea, I did like to play that song, too. And I thought Ronnie was a great singer. So there you go. Is that the album where they, they set him on fire or something like that? Yes, yes. They, they, and what was, what was the story one, behind that? Well, um... Apparently, they had a long history of playing pranks on Bill, and this continued even after Ozzy left during the recording of Heaven and Hell. During a slow day in the studio, Iomi doused Ward with a solution used by studio technicians to clean the tape heads. And then he set light to the solution. Even though I'm going to set you on fire, Bill. And Bill's like, yeah, whatever. And then um, what happened, though, is it became a lot more flammable than Tony had totally anticipated. Oh, so Ward suffered third-degree burns as a result and still has scars in his legs from the incident. And his mom was, uh, or somebody, or maybe it was like somebody that built was fucking pissed at Tony, like pissed, man. And and Tony felt really bad about it because he was just clowning around. He didn't mean any harm, you know. 
But I, I get the feeling sometimes that Bill kind of felt like he's the guy that everybody kind of fucked with, man. Not in a mean way, but, you know, it's like with anything else, you know. I, I, I'm it gets of, old. I'm kind of with Bill Ward on that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> but, um, I can't fish with Tony Iommi being... No, I think I feel joke, like right? he does sometimes. I'm the one everybody fucks with. Oh, I'm just saying he, he looks always so serious when he's up there on stage. I just can't picture him as a practical joker. But oh yeah, they all were, man. Now they said hands down, out of the original members, the funniest band member was Ozzy. He's, oh, absolutely. He's had us fucking yeah. up. Like Bill even said, he goes to me, Ozzy's a very funny man. I've told him more than once. Hey, dude, if you ever get tired of doing the music, you could always be a fucking stand-up comic. You're hilarious, you know. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, 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 and there's definitely some uh, truth to that. But yeah, um, great album. I, as I said, believe it or not, I do like Mob Rules more. I think it's a heavier record in many ways. And just fucking, but man, I mean, what a fantastic, and, and it, like I said, it, it breathed new life to them. It was really a long run. It was the best thing for, for all the artists. Because I mean, I, and I didn't find this out until I just recently watched the Dio documentary, but apparently Ronnie never got paid any royalties for the shit he did with Rainbow, which is a fucking travesty. Wendy Dio is now getting the money from that, which is something Ronnie should have got way before now. That's fucking bullshit, man. Yeah. I don't know who's responsible for that, but that is fucking bullshit, man. But Ronnie, you know, he, you know, he's coming out of the situation with Blackmore. You got, you know, Sabbath in a fucking mess. And I think they kind of maybe needed each other. And I know, you know, because Charles said something. And look, Sharon doesn't does a lot of things that has bothered me in the past. And I'm not saying she's. I'm not a Sharon apologist. So let me throw that out there right now. But sometimes, folks, we have to take the good and the bad. Without her, you don't get the Heaven and Hell version of Sabbath, and we don't get those solo Ozzy albums. That's just a fact. I mean, people can say what they want about her, and yeah, I think she is money-hungry and all that. I get it. I, I get what you're saying, man. But I'm also saying, you know what? She's the one that introduced Dio to Tony. She's the one who, you know helped Ozzy when he needed it the most because he wasn't doing very good at this point in time, man, until, you know, he had somebody who kind of believed in him and gave him the confidence that he needed. And then finding Randy, he finally found the guitarist he was want that he needed, and look what they went on to do. And in the end of the day, us music fans won. We got four fucking fantastic metal masterpieces from that breakup. I mean, would you want to live in a world where there's no Blizzard of Oz or Diary or Heaven and Hell yeah, imagine, and, no. and Mob Rules? Right, exactly. Right, and then again with Holy Diary. Yeah, you know, and then you got Born Again with with the like I, I I understand Ian going back with Deep Purple, and I like Perfect Strangers. I think it's a great record, but I got to admit the Sabbath part of me even though i know that album i think it went gold it wasn't a huge i think honestly i think born again's more popular now than it was when it came out yeah but i loved it you know and i would have liked to have heard more of that and i kind of wish the dio era would have lasted longer than it did. Right. and then we would have got holy diver but hey it all happens for a reason man and and hey, Mel, yeah mike i gotta wrap it up man charles that's cool to dude. get going charles man final thoughts real quick Great album, uh, definitely for the uh, fainter of heart in the metal world. Don't check Ozzy first. Check this out first, and then work back. In my opinion, but I do love it. Great pick, Mark. 
Thank you. Let me, ask, let, me ask, let me ask Mike one more thing real quick. Sure. Did you think did you think thirteen was that bad of an album? No, it's it's not a bad record. There's some good stuff on it. I really wish they would have used Ozzy's drummer, Robert Kluftostas, instead. I mean, honestly, it would have been better if Bill Ward had been there. And I have all the respect for um, um, Rick Rubin in the world, but let's just be honest. He doesn't really produce albums anymore. He lays on his couch and, oh, wow, man, I'm zen. And, and to me, one of my biggest complaints with 13 is the production. It literally sounds like an album produced in the 70s and i wanted to hear sat the original sabbath with today's production much like heaven and hell's devil you know i love the production on that record so i was disappointed in it but right. i don't hate it all right let's get to our tracks of the week man uh like you mentioned heaven and hell i picked a uh, heaven and hell bible black fucking love that fucking track great track dude yeah and then jerry you picked the rain song by led zeppelin man great song oh shit dude what a great song that is and jerry picked a great song by alice in chains called get born again and then mike you picked orbit orbit culture descent which isn't in my wheelhouse but charles and jerry will probably like it and it's off their new album the same name check them out if you like melodic death metal man they're pretty cool all right, promote your podcast real quick, and then we'll get out of here. I do the plug podcast with Bushy, music and more. And then, of course, there's also thatmetalstation.com, where two of us here do shows once a week. And thank you for tuning in, guys. And you guys, thank you for having me. It's been an honor. All right. Thank you. All right. What did I, I don't remember. What? What did I pick? What, what was your pick? Your pick was Allison Chains, Get Born Again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Charles, go ahead, man. We love you, brother. <laughs> I man, love y'all. And it was awesome to have the Black Sabbath Lord, Metal Mike, on this week. And I was, it was great having you on, man, and learning more about Sabbath and verifying what I thought. Yeah. So it was awesome. Jerry, you already right. said thank you to Metal Mike. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, I just want to say, you know, tune in to Mark's show on Tuesday night and, and Mike's show on Friday night, man. They're two great radio shows on that metal station. Oh, Brian and Sam are also great, too, man. So uh, check out them, too. All right. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Later, guys. Later. Amen. Bye.
of rock and heavy metal and some Duran Duran. <laughs> Just joking. Where am I? Tune into thatmetalstation.com every Tuesday night to hear the Freeform Rock Show. 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, only on thatmetalstation.com. You have just listened to the Freeform Rock Podcast. All music played on the Freeform Rock Podcast belongs to its owner. If you like it, go out and buy it. Get your music on Amazon, iTunes, or at your local record store. Support what you love. Support the artist by seeing them live. Purchase their music. The Freeform Rock Podcast is not affiliated with any of the artists or music that we play. Thank you for listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. Until next time, stay free and rock on.